Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. Good morning, everyone at Encompass. Bandura, how are you? So good. You may be seated. You know what, guys? I don't know if you know, but there was that much testosterone in the room here yesterday that the guest services this morning got the lawnmowers, clippers out to take the hair off the walls. Yeah, all right. No, moving right along. But it was fantastic. It was a really good event. God spoke, God challenged, God ministered to us. And, you know, just speaking to a few of the guys this morning, it is amazing to understand how God created us as men and the the science behind it. And it can actually be quite mind-blowing. But let's remember, as human beings, male and female, we are created wonderfully. We are created beautifully. We are not mistakes. Every single one of us is intricate and unique. Would you agree? Amen. So it's really good. But I want to, before we kick into the message, I want to take this opportunity for us as a church to honour our senior pastors, Pastor Jason and Pastor Alyssa, who's at Doreen. I want to encourage you guys and remind you, these guys have taken on the leadership of our church with such grace, such humility such sensitivity to the spirit and I believe it is good for us to honour them. Can we honour them this morning? Thank you Pastor Jace and thank you Pastor Alyssa. So today I'm kicking, uh, continuing, not kicking, continuing our Real Relationship series. Now over the past couple of weeks we've had Pastor Jason here speaking about the mindset of forgiveness and on the power of encouragement. Who here was here for those messages? If you miss them, can I encourage you to get online to our YouTube channel and, and so on and watch them. They were great. You know, that red, uh, amber, green traffic light, I thought that was a great example of how um, Pastor Jace brought that. But today, I'm going to be sharing on hospitality. Hospitality. Now, why do we need to talk about hospitality? Why is hospitality important? Well, hospitality is a sign of Christian maturity. It's actually a sign that shows that you and I are growing in our walk with God. And today, as I'm walking through, I want you to understand it's a bit more of a teaching message. So there's going to be a bit of text and a bit of information. So please lean in. For those of you who are using your smartphones, I've been saying it as I've been going across our campuses, it is good for us to switch into what God is saying. So if you have a smartphone, go do not disturb Go do not disturb just so you can take in what God's Spirit is saying to you in this time and you're not checking off and going down a a rabbit hole around, oh, what's that Instagram post that someone just did? Is that okay? All right, let's get into it. So what is hospitality? The dictionary says that it is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests. We understand that. We've, We've probably heard that. But if you do a Google search... The things, if you type in hospitality into Google, the first things that tend to come up are hospitality courses, hotels, holidays, great, beautiful holiday locations, or even how you can host the most amazing dinner party with, you know, the, the forks and the knives and all in the right place. That's what you, if you type it up, that's what comes up. 
But hospitality in a Christian setting, in a biblical setting, is a lot, a lot more than that. Now, who here has been blown away and been treated hospitably before? Yeah, a few of us, quite a few of us. We've been treated well, and I want to share with you a story that goes back a little while, but it is something that uh, is, you know, Jenna and I speak of it often. Back in 1999, when we got married and we went on our honeymoon to Europe, we went through um, a couple train uh, trips through some cities, and we, the first Italian city we went into was Milan. Three weeks in, we were craving, you know, the good Italian food, and we got there and we started it. We really enjoyed it. But we had this thing that for the you know, first three weeks, we hadn't been to church together since we got married. So back in those days, church, before we had the internet, when you wanted to search information, you had to look up a directory. You had to look up something like the white pages or that. So we found that there was a church about half an hour from the hotel where we were staying. So we made plans and we uh, went to that church on that Sunday morning. Now, in good uh, tourist style, the wisdom would say that you only take a little bit of money with you when you go out of your hotel because you don't want to get, you know, uh, robbed, robbed or anything. Or if you do, you only have to give a little bit. So I only took 200 lira, the equivalent, say, $200 with me. Enough for the cab ride there, enough for the cab ride home and maybe some lunch in between. We get there to the church in the morning got there a little bit earlier, because I was in a rush, I forgot to brush my teeth, and I said, John, I'm going next door to the cafe to get some mints. Go in there. Now, I can say this because I'm Italian. In typical shifty Italian style, <laughs> I give the gentleman behind the counter a $50 note for these mints, because I wanted some shrapnel, some lower notes. And he, in turn, gives me change as if I gave him $5. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, the younger Sicilian man was, you did wrong here, you know, and got a little bit of argy-bargy in the cafe, and I walked out, stormed out, fuming that he had ripped me off. He must have said tourist all on my forehead. He must have seen it. So I go next door. Janna sees that my face had changed colour. And she says, what's happened? I'll tell her quickly the story and we go into church. So here I am during the praise and worship, still fuming. That doesn't happen here, does it? No? Good. So fuming and I'm sitting there and then it came time to offering like we had now with Bill. And as the offering containers are coming by, I had done my calculations and gone, okay, that's all gone. I've only got now $30 or something left, but I've got to... I've got a, uh, an ATM card. I should be okay. I get to the offering container gets through and I feel the Holy Spirit prompt, say, hey, put it all in. Now, I know I heard a few. I heard a few. It's okay. Yeah. I felt the same way. Put it all in. So, okay. The offering container came in and I put it in and I had now no money on me whatsoever, just an ATM card. And I'm thinking to myself, it's okay, God, I'll find an ATM. I'll find an ATM on the way. During welcome and greeting during that time, what actually happens, a couple, a lovely retired couple in front of us, turn around, greet us, and within that minute of greeting, we got talking, oh, where are you from, and so on. Would you believe they happen to be 
my senior pastors of that time in my Italian church, they happened to be their first cousins. I think God knew what he was doing. After church, we greeted, and guess what? This beautiful couple invited us back home for a beautiful plate of pasta. And let me tell you, it was amazing. First thing taken care of, they opened up, they hosted us, two strangers from Australia, never met before, they opened up their home and we were blessed with a beautiful meal. Beautiful, wouldn't you agree? It went a little bit further. Over lunch, they started saying, oh, look, you know what, we'll, we'll take you back into the city. You don't need to catch the train or anything. No, no, we didn't want to overstep and say, no, look, please, just bring us to the train station and we'll go from there. No problem. They agreed. And on the car ride there, we're looking everywhere for, a, for an ATM and we could not see one. So, again, before Google Maps, guys, we, we were prepared. We were going to be walking for a while to get some money to get home. He drops us off. We say thank you. He did one of these. He drove off and then stopped the car, reversed back, and he goes, Mark, I forgot to tell you, there are, here are two train tickets that my wife and I bought earlier in the week and we haven't used. Why don't you use these and go home? So we got fed and we got given a train ticket free of charge because of their hospitality and them being willing to share what they had with us. To this day, it speaks of God's provision. To this day, it speaks of the hospitality of others. And I don't know about you, but church, those are the men and women that you and I need to be, willing to share what we have. Let's bow our heads before we uh, continue further. Holy Spirit, we know that you are here with your presence. We thank you that uh, you have been in our midst right from the beginning. And Lord God, we just host your presence in our hearts, in our minds. And we say, speak your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hospitality, church, is more than a great hosted meal or a beautiful holiday. It's actually... Hospitality is an attitude and an action. It turns strangers into guests, guests into friends and friends into family. It actually allows that to happen. And I want to be able to give us a bit of understanding of our key scripture. If you have your Bibles with you, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 to 6. And again, anything that is underlined, let's read together. Just the underlined passages, let's engage with God's word because it is truth and life. Let's read. It says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realising it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Let's read together. Remember also those being mistreated, as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Give honour to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, 
I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, let's read this aloud together. The Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Let me give a quick teaching and understanding of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Now, the author of Hebrews isn't known. Some people would say that it was Paul or Barnabas, Apollos and so on, or other, uh, other people in the New Testament time, but it's not specifically known. But it was actually written at a time in church history where the Jewish Christians, the, the Jews who had converted to Christianity were starting to question their faith. They were starting to be persecuted for their conversion. So they started to think to themselves, have I done the right thing? Am I on the right path? And I believe it is still apt to us today. Would you agree? Because we can sometimes feel like that. We can still sometimes feel shaky. So we pick up this letter in the last chapter. And the word there for hospitality, I'm going to practice my Greek here, in the text is actually philoxenia. And it's made up of two parts. That philos, which means to love, and xenia, which means others. So to put it together, it's actually loving others, or in its true context, it's entertaining strangers. Loving those who are different to yourself. So to truly understand this context, we've got to put ourselves into that time. And this is what some of the facts are of that time when the Hebrews was written. Now, fact number one is travel outside of your own town was very rare. Why? Because most of your life, most of the life of the people at that time were based within the town. They lived within the town. They worked within the town. Family and friends were in the town. They had a really small community. They didn't have vehicles or if they had to own a donkey, a donkey was, a, was an actual luxury, so to speak. So their travel was just by their legs. So they wouldn't travel too far. But when they did also understand, there was no hotel chains. There was no Marriott, no Sheridan, whatever. There was none of those hotel chains, no Quest. They actually had to rely on the hospitality of other people. And when you would go to another town, this is the way it would happen. You would go to that new town, you would wait outside of the city walls for someone within that city to come to you. And they would then offer you some hospitality. They would invite you. Now, as part of that invitation, they would ask you if you had any letters of recommendation, any reference letters or so on. Why? Because they didn't want to allow enemies in. Would you, do we understand that? So you had to have these reference letters. And then if you pass that invitation, then they would host you. And as part of that hospitality, we actually saw it at the Last Supper with Jesus, they would invite you in, they would wash the dust off your feet. They would give you a beautiful meal and they would give you a clean and comfortable place to sleep so that you were refreshed. Quite a beautiful thing. So then you as the person being hosted, the onus was on you not to stay more than two days. Okay? So that was a bit of the, uh, the practice of the time. Fact number two that we see is the Israelites of this time, 
They tried to live by the law of Moses. Now we know the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They tried to live it and breathe it because that was the law given to them by God through Moses. So they tried to enact it as much as they could. They fell short like we do. But one of the things they really tried to live by was this passage. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 to 19. And again, let's just read the underlying passages together. It says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to foreigners living among you, and he gives them food and clothing. So you too, pause there, let's read that again. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You see, the Israelite nation was different to the nations of the time. Many of the nations around them were very selfish, were very barbaric in in the way they lived and practiced life. But the Israelite, Israelite nation was different. They actually showed compassion. They cared for foreigners when they came into their nation. They cared for the widows and orphans and so on. Why? Because as it says in those verses, because God did that for them. God looked after them when they were strangers in the land of Egypt. And not only that, then when they came out of Egypt, what else did God do? God looked after them. They had shoes that were better than the latest Nike or the latest Adidas. They they had shoes that lasted for 40 years. They didn't wear out. They had bread in the morning they had meat in quail. They had a cloud of a cloud by day to cover them in the um, in the heat of the day, and in the cool of the night they had a pillar of fire. So did God take care of them? Yes. Most definitely. So they knew that, and they wanted to live and breathe it and practice it, so they would care for those around them who came in. Fact number three, the final one that I want to share before we go a little bit further, is that the gospel believers, the Christians of the time, took that call of hospitality one step further and actually a few steps further. Well, as we just read in in, uh, Hebrews, how did they do that? They taught them that, the gospel taught that their money was not their own, that it wasn't just for you, it was actually to be shared. And I know Pastor Jason Um, shared this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 to 46. We we won't read all of it but some of the the context there or the underlined words that what we see the new believers of the time they they were sharing in meals. They shared. It goes on to say they met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes and shared meals with great joy. And what's that last word? Generosity. They shared what they had. So they took hospitality even further. Their wealth and their blessings were to be shared. And the other way, the Christian believers of the time took hospitality one step further 
was they actually had it even in their sexuality. Now, again, understand, the Roman culture, the Greek culture of the time that was prevalent in, in the world at the time was actually far from, um, far from one man, one woman being together in a lifelong marriage. Adultery was common, mistresses and all that type of thing, fornication, you know, premarital sex, that was rampant, rampant in the time. But the gospel taught these believers and speaks to us today that guess what? Our sexuality can actually be a part of us hosting the presence of God in our homes, us hosting the presence of God in our families. It helps bring stability and strength to the family and children who grow up in our homes. Can I hear an amen? And guess what? These strong families, these strong family units are then the building blocks for a strong community. So this is what the believers of the time were actually taking hospitality further than what they were seeing in the Old Testament. But why did Christians back then and why do Christians today, why do we try to live up to these examples and these these standards? Very simple, because Jesus was and is our example. Think about it. Jesus didn't treat his heavenly wealth as his own. He left a throne room of power, of majesty, of grace for a manger. He left the worship of angels in heaven for the ridicule and the rejection of mankind. Reminder, these were the same people who rejected and rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. And he said, you know what? I'll still go to them. I will still leave heaven and I will come down to earth to show them that I love them, to reconcile mankind to himself. And we see that Jesus didn't treat his own body as his own. He willingly submitted it to pain, to suffering, to beatings. He gave his body, he gave up his blood for the sacrifice for you and for me. Jesus gave his wealth and he gave his body away. Willingly. Willingly. But let's be real right now. Is that okay? Can we be open up ourselves a little bit more? There are many things that can stop you and I from being hospitable. Would you agree? There are many blockages. And these are some of them. I believe our time can be a huge blockage. We are so fully committed, we are so fully booked that we don't even have space for hospitality to take place. Our attitudes, that's a big one. We've grown up in Western, in a Western ideology where I come first. It's all about the individual and everyone else comes second. You know, it doesn't really gel with the heart of hospitality. Hospitality, when we think about ourselves, it's too messy It's too time-consuming when we dismiss it. Sometimes another blockage can be our previous experiences. Whether you had hospitality in your home, whether you saw your parents inviting people in or didn't, or maybe that you practised it for some time and you got burnt out, worn out, and so on, you think, nah, I'm done with it. Here's a big one that I believe, and let's say in our current economic times, Hospitality, we think it's too expensive. We can't host anyone because it's too expensive. Okay, let me, 
let's be real, it's a show, a show of hands across the room. Who here has some tea bags in their home? Okay. Let's keep your hand up. Who has some coffee in their home? Do you have sugar? Maybe some milk? You can host someone in your home. It's that simple. That's simple. It's just a matter of opening up the door. You don't have to put on the three-course meal. You don't have to be lavish in your hospitality. Just open up and share what is in your home. Share what is in your home. Get rid of that idea that you need to impress people. Just open up your home. Open up with what you have and you'll be surprised by the blessing that he can, he can bring. The other thing that we can be a blockage for our hospitality is that we're scared of rejection. We're scared that we put the invitation out and that it might fall on deaf ears. Can I encourage you and remind you, Jesus himself was rejected, the Son of God, the perfect one. Just keep inviting, keep an open heart, and God can bless it. You actually may be surprised by the response to your invitation. And the final one is, and can I say this? Sometimes I'm guilty of this. We can't be bothered. The cleaning, the preparations, it's all too much. It's like, oh, I've got to to cut the lawns. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. Again, you know what that is? Sometimes that's because we want to impress. But let's not have that attitude. Let's just be open and let these blockages fall by the wayside. Because guess what? As a church community... As a Christian community, God wants his hospitality that he has given to us. He wants it to flow out. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Why is hospitality important? Because it can actually unlock God's best in your life and God's best in someone else. It's an attitude and an action. It turns strangers into guests, guests into friends and friends into family. When we really break it down, as I said in that example with this lovely elderly couple in Milan who opened their home to us, they shared what they had. Hospitality is sharing what you have. Now, here's a side note. Now, did you know that paediatricians and healthy human development, they say that it's actually from the ages of three and a half to four where a child will start learning to share and the idea of sharing. I can remember before that when Josiah and Gabriel were little and we were trying to teach them the idea of sharing. It did not go down well. There were screams and tantrums and so on. But that's normal because they're kids. And looking around the room, I think we're all... Who here is above three and a half and four years old? Guess what? You can share. I can share. We're all of that, of that maturity. We can do it. We can play a part. Let's not be two or three-year-olds with that attitude of mine. Let's share what we have. Now, let's get a bit more practical in the time we have left. How can we show hospitality? How can we share what we have? Now, I'm going to have those verses up again that we read, and I just want to highlight a few things as we go through. These are some of the practical things we can do that the Hebrew writer teaches us. Individually, the first thing he says, obviously share what we have with strangers. Can I remind you 
and even Pastor Jason um, shared this last week, loneliness is one of the largest epidemics we have here in Australia right here, right now. There are so many, we can be really connected by a message, we can really be connected by our phones, but guess what, loneliness still persists. Persists. You know why? Because nothing beats face-to-face time with someone. Nothing beats it. God created us for interaction with one another. Let's not live the counterfeit of just via a screen. Let's live it out face-to-face. It goes on to say, share what we have with those in prison. Now, I don't know where you're at, but in my past, I've had a family member who has been in prison before, and I had the opportunity. It was a bit tough. I had to go through some checks and balances and go out to pay them a visit. Can I encourage you, church, if you have a friend or a family member who maybe has done something wrong, they don't need your judgment. They're already paying the consequence of it. Go encourage them. Go pay them a visit. Make the effort. It might be out in the regional suburbs or regional towns of Melbourne. Just go out and pay them a visit. Show them that you love and you care for them. Show them that they're not forgotten. Maybe, just maybe, you can bring God's light and God's love into that place where they are right now. You may, if you don't have that family member or friend, maybe you can join a a prison ministry. We have ladies in our church that knit blankets and send them to the prisons. God bless you, Kay, in the knitting group. You know, you can play a part in that. Whatever it may be, you may write a letter, whatever it may be, you can share what you have with those in prison. The other thing we see is share with those who have been mistreated. And you know what? Unfortunately, many, many people are mistreated. Right here, right now in our community, we have men and women who have been so mistreated that they are down and out. And through uh, things like Encompass Care on a Tuesday and Wednesday through the cafe, here at Bandura, up at Mernda, we can share what we have with those who have been mistreated, those who are going through a hard time. We can play a part in it. Isn't it interesting then that as it goes on, that the verses in Hebrews also talks about sexuality or marriage and adultery in the context of hospitality. I touched on it earlier. You know why they're related? Because hospitality starts at home. Hospitality starts at home. So can I speak to the married men and women in the house? Let's honour and host our spouses like they are the best person in the world. You see their flaws. My wife sees my flaws and guess what? She treats me better than I deserve. She hosts me. She takes care of me and I do the same. We need to start that hospitality in our homes. Now I'll talk to the brothers and sisters, siblings in the home. Treat your siblings like they're the best people in the world. Host one another with love. Hospitality starts at home. And it goes on. Share your money because God will never leave you, abandon you or forsake you. Amen to that. Some other practical things. Share your space. Share your home with others. Invite neighbours in. Share your spiritual home. Share your spiritual home, your place of worship, 
with colleagues, with friends who do not know about God. Invite them to the Ladies, you have an amazing event coming. Yes, the Vogue um, presentation was there, but guess what? At the heart of it, you have an opportunity to bring a lady who may be hurting, a lady who may be broken, a lady who needs an encouragement and some love poured out. Bring her along on that day. Shatter the ticket. Get them along. Share your place of spirit, your spiritual home with friends and colleagues. Share your gifts and abilities. Each and every one of us, the Bible says, has been given a gift, talents, characters that you and I can share. What are you doing with them? What am I doing with them? Am I keeping my hands in my pocket and saying, I'll leave it to someone else? No, we can actually get practical and host God's presence together when we put our gifts together. Final one, just a simple one here. Share a meal with other believers. I believe there is so much, the Bible teaches us there is so much power in breaking bread together, sharing conversation and just encouraging, having a laugh, getting in, getting in each other's presence. It is a good, good thing. Hospitality is taking your things and sharing them with outsiders. You've been blessed, pass on the blessing. There is so much that we can be hospitable with. You see, hospitality, as I said earlier, it allows strangers to become guests who can become friends, who can become family. I look at my time, even here in this church, I look at people who invited us in right from the beginning and they are now considered family. We need, you and I need to have that heart to invite people in. And in closing, and if I can have the worship team up, let me answer this question. Why should we even bother to be hospitable? Why should we share what we have? There's two reasons I want to land the plane with. Number one is because it allows God's love to flow in and out of us. We become like a life-giving river. It allows God's goodness to come in us and flow out of us. And number two, because Jesus showed us what true hospitality is. Who here says and calls themselves a Christian? Raise your hand. Come on. Every hand in this place, I believe. We're, we're Christian. We are saved by God's grace. We love him. We, we're blown away by his goodness to us. And if you call yourself a Christian, he is our example. He came to this earth, leaving a heavenly throne for you and for me. He took on. 12 strangers, made them guests and turned them into friends and family. He fed multitudes. At one time he fed 5,000, another time he fed 4,000. That's just the men, not including the women and children. Jesus had supernatural powers and what did he do? Did he keep them in his pocket? No. He shared his supernatural powers so that the blind could see, so that the deaf could hear, so that the lame could rise up and walk, 
so that lepers' skins could be cleansed and those who were far away from God could turn towards him. He shared his supernatural powers. And as a host at the Last Supper, what did he do? We know he broke bread, but he also, before that, he washed the disciples' feet. And this one always gets me every time I read it, every time I think about it and meditate it. He even washed the feet of his betrayer. I don't know about you, but maybe I would have gone all Sicilian and gotten that foot and yanked it out of the socket. No? Sorry. Come on, let's be real. He washed the feet of his betrayer. The one he knew was going to turn him in, even after he'd been close with him for over three and a half years. That same evening, he surrendered his own will in the Garden of Gethsemane and said, God, if you can take this cup away from me, do it. But let not my will, but your will be done. And he chose to host God's presence in his life to do what he had to do. The next day on the cross, he gave up his body so that you and me could live a life of forgiveness, live a life of victory and freedom through what he did on the cross for us. And in the tomb, he shared his death-defeating power. Because of his resurrection, guess what happens, church? When the last breath passes your lips and mine. When we've said yes to Jesus Christ, death is not the final chapter. You and I will have eternal life with Him forevermore. And guess what? Even right here, right now, Jesus is still sharing Himself with you and I. Let's look at a couple of verses. In Romans chapter 8, verse 34, right here, right now, this is what Jesus do, is doing for you and He's doing for me. It says, Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. Let's read together. And He is sitting in the place of honour, at God's right hand, pleading for us. You may be alone in this room. You may feel like you're alone. But know that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is pleading for you. He's pleading for you. He's pleading for you. He's pleading for you. He's pleading for all of us. He's fighting our battles. And it goes on in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Right here, right now, this is what's happening. It says, this is Jesus himself speaking. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, I would have told you that 
I am going to prepare a place for you. When everything is ready, let's read. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Church. Jesus is the ultimate host. He has treated you and me better than we deserve. Better than we deserve. He has given of himself wholeheartedly with his body, with his life. He has given himself for you and for me. And church, I want to encourage us. There's two responses that I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to in this moment. And the first one is for all of us as Christians who have been showed the love of God and the hospitality of Christ, as we've just heard. You know, while I was praying and preparing and going around across our campuses sharing this, this, this picture just kept coming to me and I want to be able to share it. Who here has ever tasted rotten milk before? It's disgusting, isn't it? It is one of those moments where you, it, it just oh, curdles your stomach. It almost makes you want to heave. But you know what, church? When we don't share the goodness of God, we can become like rotten milk. We can become bitter and twisted on the inside, left on the shelf, because that's what, what makes rotten milk happen. The use-by date has been and gone. It's been left on the shelf and it just sits there and it becomes rancid from the inside. Church, as a Christian, you and I are designed by God to pour out His goodness to others. We are not designed. We have not been called into His kingdom to keep the goodness inside of us. Because if we do, we become rancid. There are men and women in your street who are crying out. And God has got you as a light. As we heard last week, as a green light person to bring encouragement, to bring a word of life, to open up your home, share coffee, tea and sugar, whatever you've got, and just bring in the love of Christ to them. So right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that is a challenge to you, if you sense in your spirit that you've been holding back God's goodness in you because of a past hurt, because you, you hosted and you did things in the past and now you're, you, you thought, nah, I've been there, done that, Pastor Mark. I don't want to do it anymore. If you want to allow God's goodness to flow so that your joy can spring up again and you can be used of God just right now with every head bow, every eye closed, just raise your hand to heaven. Raise your hand to heaven. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to unlock and peel off, peel off the seal in your life that has been there. He wants to pour it out again, fresh to you, 
afresh. Lord Father, across this room, you alone are the one that examines our hearts and knows us inside out. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be men and women who would pour out the hospitality you have given us with the little that you have given us, with the the blessings that you have given us. Let us share what you have poured out freely, willingly, lovingly. I pray from today, let it unlock in our hearts and let it not just be for a moment, let it be a lifetime of generosity and hospitality that we can give in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And finally, you may be here in this room and you've heard about the hospitality of Jesus. And you think to yourself, I'm not sure if I'm good enough for it, if God would even accept me, if God would even open up his own home to me. He opened up his home to you through Jesus Christ. And right here, right now, you can walk into that hospitality. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Saviour. He wants to be with you in the highs. He wants to be with you in the lows. He wants to walk hand in hand with you. And again, right here, right now, with every head bowed, every eyes closed, as Christians, we're, we're praying in the Spirit because this is a matter of eternity right here, right now. If you sense that you want to reach out to the hand of Jesus and accept His hospitality and accept Him as your Lord and Saviour, Just raise it so I can see it, so I can pray with you. Raise it up really high so I can see it and pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. You're raising it to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords who will forever change you. Can we pray this together? Dear Jesus, today I thank you for your hospitality. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin, for washing me clean and for being my Lord. I choose this day to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, church. Let's let's give God a praise. Heaven rejoices. When a man or a woman turn to God. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.